0: welcome to present truth broadcast with pastor maxwell Ogaga. brought to you by present truth ministry a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of god's word for more information and free downloads please visit www.pastormax.ng father thank you because of the revelation and insight you 've given to us into your word, I thank you Father God, because I'm anointed to teach your word, your people are anointed to receive together our faith is built up and knowledge of Jesus is deepened and we grow in grace. Thank you Father, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ in Jesus mighty name. so I, I want to look at the biblical rules of fivefold ministers because as we look at the church of the Lord Jesus Christ we sometimes it it seems as if we're getting confused on what our role is what the role of pastors is and all kinds of things are just getting mixed up so we're going to take a very long reading Um, we are anchoring on ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 but you cannot teach ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 without reading from ephesians chapter 3 all right that gives you the background to ephesians chapter 4 And you cannot just read Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 that talks about the fivefold ministers without reading from Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1 because verse 1 leads up to verse 11. Praise God. So are you ready to read with me? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. So I'm going to read this one quickly. (laughs) Verse 1. I'm I'm going to read this quickly because we're going to chapter 4 actually. So I'm going to read the whole of chapter 3. So I'm going to go quickly on this. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, note that the dispensation of God that was given to me, given, observe the word, given to me for you. And that's important. Was given to me for you. It's a gift I received for you. How that by revelation, he made known to me the mystery as I had briefly written already. By which when you read, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So the epistles were meant to be read to understand Christ. The letters of Paul were read to understand Christ. Because why I'm emphasizing this, you have people come today and say, well, the Lord has called me to teach wisdom. The Lord has called me to teach deliverance. The Lord has called me to teach this. The Lord has called me to teach that. And everybody comes with their piece of information that they've seen that the Lord has called them to preach. But the gospel is one message. The Bible talks about one person and that is Christ. So as we progress in the study, we'll be able to find out, do we have the liberty to say I'm a deliverance minister? Do we have the liberty to say I'm a prosperity apostle? Do we have the liberty to say all that? Because it looks like everybody is taking a piece of the church and saying this is what I'm called to do. But Paul says, when you read, you understand my mystery in the knowledge of Christ, the mystery of Christ. By which, verse 5, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. So his holy apostles and prophets have one knowledge that has been revealed to them. What is that knowledge? What is that knowledge? Christ. Verse 4. That tells us in verse 4. By which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Which in other ages was not made known. What ages was he talking about? The Old Testament. That was the first age. That in the Old Testament, the revelation of Christ was not made known. But after the death of Christ, in this new dispensation, we cannot know about Christ. And that is what the holy apostles and prophets are called to reveal that the gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in christ through the gospel so the gospel reveals the promise of the gentiles in christ what is this promise that we can now come on now that the gentiles go back to verse six that the gentiles should be fellow heirs that means that we can now become partakers of redemption we cannot become partakers of redemption that is the promise that is revealed through the gospel so when you hear the gospel what you should be hearing is the death burial, and resurrection of jesus are you still here verse seven of which i became a minister according not the word the gifts not that word the gifts now it'll be good if you open your bible it'll help me move faster but if the guys can move fast it's good go to verse seven of which i became a minister according to the gifts not that word gifts go back to verse two the bible says if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of god which was given to me so what gift is paul referring to here Paul is referring in verse 7 to the gift of the revelation of the gospel of grace given to him in verse 2. By the effective working of his power, I'm in verse 7 now, to me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given. Now, it is important, I'm emphasizing given gifts, given Gift because it's almost looking like anybody can decide to become a pastor. Right? It's almost looking like if you can preach, then you can be a pastor. And we haven't helped ourselves because we want our branches all over the place. We get dedicated people that can teach and we quickly ordain them into ministry. And I'm going to emphasize to you this morning that nobody can call you into the ministry. It has to be God's grace on your life. The fact that you can preach doesn't mean that you're a pastor. The Samaritan woman preached to the whole city of Samaria and got them to Jesus. She was not an evangelist and because we have to keep pastors in all our branches we quickly ordain very serious people and put them in roles they shouldn't occupy in the first place and they step out of their place in the body because we just want to fulfill our mission and we're going to get there so that's what i'm emphasizing paul says in this Eight verses we have read, you can say, You can hear Paul saying three times, Something was given to me, something was given to me. Verse 8 To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. The message is still the same Christ, Christ, Christ. Nothing is changing when Paul speaks he says what was given to me to teach is the unsearchable riches of Christ let's go on and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which was from the beginning of ages has been hidden in god who created all things through christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of god might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in christ jesus our lord right eternal purpose accomplishing christ in whom we are boldness and access with confidence through faith in him therefore i ask that you do not lose heart in my tribulation for you which is your glory for this reason he begins to pray now i want you to look at paul's prayer i want you to look at paul's prayer paul said all of this and paul begins to pray for the church look at the way paul prayed for the church look at the way paul prayed and for this reason i bow my knees to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Verse 16. That he will grant you according to the riches of his glory. To be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts. through faith that you be rooted and grounded in love. May be able to comprehend with all the saints. The word comprehend means understand. So Paul actually is praying for understanding. So you find out that all the prayers of Paul in the New Testament were prayers of understanding. That the saints will know. That your eyes will be opened. That this thing we're talking about has been God's eternal purpose. That the message of Christ is what God is all about. And because... Because sometimes our economic situations might make us to preach from the scriptures what the scriptures is not saying. And what happened is people began to say, I got a revelation. I got a Rema. Now, every time you hear people say, God said, God said, God said, I'm very careful. Because people who always say, God told me, God told me, God told me, never most times interpret the scripture in context. Because, listen, the scripture cannot mean today what it did not mean yesterday. If not, it's not consistent. Uh, Am I right? Uh, You follow what I'm saying? If I'm teaching from a scripture, it's mean different things to you. It's meaning different things to someone else. It's meaning another thing to another person. We will never come to the unity of the faith. That's why... Accurate Biblical interpretation is consistent. It has to be consistent. So someone will say, Well, the Lord revealed to me. I should do this. And The Lord revealed to me. And I don't have a problem when you say the Lord revealed to you, but it must be consistent with the word. Let me go. Go on. Time is going. <laughs> Maybe able would comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. And that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. See Paul's prayer. That you be filled with all the fullness of God. Hey. What about if we pray this every time we come to service? Father, we thank you this morning because we want to be filled with all your fullness. But you know, we don't like to pray this. What do we like to pray? Hey, somebody's after me. I want the person dead. You see, the more you learn about Christ, the more you see why God can entrust himself to you. Paul says, be filled with the fullness of God because you're the son of God. Look at what he says. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, Abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power works in us. Now, you know, I'm laughing. I know all of you know this scripture. I know everybody knows this. What do we use this scripture for? I've applied for my contract, but God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all I ever ask or think. They'll give me two contracts. No, 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 no. You can use it for that if you want to. But what this scripture is saying, you know why he said this? Because the verse before this, he said that you will be filled with the fullness of God. And he says God is able to do this even beyond your imagination. Because there is no how you would think that you, a mortal man, can be filled with the fullness of God. He says, according to the power that works in you. What's the power that works in you? That's why Paul says, if you go up in the prayer, verse 16, that you are strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, according to the riches of his glory. That if you're strengthened in the inner man, then your mind can comprehend that I can be so full of God that God lives in me. And Paul says, God is even able to do this more exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ever ask or imagine. That means if I say, Lord, I want to to have your fullness, God says, I'm going to exceed that. You're not just going to have my fullness, I'm going to live in you. You understand that? To him be glory in the church. Now, this is a very interesting story. To him be glory, where? In the church. So, where is the church? Where is the church? This building is not the church. Who is the church? So, he's saying that to God be the glory, where? (laughs) In you. So, how is God glorified? in you, by you, and through you. This is for everybody now. Go on. By Christ Jesus, to all generations, forever and ever, amen. Chapter 4. Let's get into our main study. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord... Beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. I'm talking to the whole church now, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring, endeavoring, making effort, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body. I want you to note the word. There is one body and find out the analogy with which Paul describes the church. He uses the term body. This is very important. There is one body and one spirit just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and father not the phrase used father of all who is above all and through all and in you all go back home take note of this verse and study it note the words of above true in he is the father of all he is above all he is true all and he is where in all so a believer cannot read this ephesians 4 6 and still say that the prince of persia hindered his prayers that's an ignorant christian because the god you're praying to is not up there he is in here except You have the Prince of Persia here also in your boys' quarters. Someone say, well, I prayed. And my prayer didn't go through the ceiling. They didn't need to go that way. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Listen to me. The key to the new creation is the oneness of God and man. Listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. This is the one reason they wanted to kill Jesus. When they took up stones to, to, to stone him, he says, for which miracles do you want to stone me?" He said, no, we don't want to, we don't want to stone you for, for any miracle. He says, but you being man, call yourself God. And Jesus says, is it not written in your scriptures that he called them gods to whom the word came? It's written there. So Paul says that God might open your eyes to be able to understand that God lives in you. This revelation will cure you of sin. This revelation will cure your powerlessness. This revelation will cure you of identity crisis. And Paul says, the one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. But to each one, I want you to know the word each one of us, talking about everybody, grace was given according to the measure of Christ. Now, everybody has got the grace according to the measure of Christ. Okay, so go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, Where are we now? Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I want us to read verse 26. First Corinthians chapter 14. Are you learning something already? First Corinthians 14 26. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each one of you has a psalm, a teaching, one has a tongue. One has a revelation, one has an interpretation. Let all things be done in be done for what? Edification. Meaning that when we all come together, what's happening? When we all come together, there is something in you that can edify the word edify is the Greek ochodomea, it means to build up the whole body o-i-k-o-d-e-m-e to build up that means as you're sitting there right now there is a measure of Christ in you that should build us up not just the pastor that's important, we go to the role of the pastor but not just the pastor it says to each one of you there is the measure of grace it might be a psalm, it might be a hymn it might be tongues, an interpretation of tongues but there is something within you that ought to build up the whole body Are you still here? Okay. Uh, Can we stay there a bit? Let me see now. Let's move on. Let's move on. Go go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive And gave gifts to men. He gave gifts to men. I want you to observe the word men. Because, and I want to say this. Sometimes the way pastors have, we pastors have put ourselves, it uh, is almost looking like we are more spiritual than everybody else. And what happened is that because we were, uh, we positioned ourselves that way, It's almost like your pastor has to do this for you. Your pastor has to do this for you. And it's almost like, oh, I tap into the faith of my man of God. I tap into the faith of my man of God. Well, your man of God is using the same faith that's found in the word. And what a genuine pastor should do is to teach you till you can be so independent of him in your relationship with God. Are you following what I'm saying now? If I'm coming to church and everybody's trying to touch my garments, everybody's trying to go stay where my, my car's parked and getting miracles, it's beautiful. It's beautiful for me. Because then the spotlight is on me. It's beautiful for my ego. It's beautiful for me financially. But it's not God's plan for the church. I said it's not God's plan for the church. God's plan for the church is that you are taught so that when sickness shows up in your house, you do the healing. You know the testimonies I like in church? I like testimonies in church. When we come to church, we can ask people, okay, so how many people did you heal during the week? And this one say well, I hit seven, I hit two, I hit five, I healed six. Oh, I raised the dead. It's fantastic. She's so not like oh the child is dead oh let me go and call my pastor let me go and call my pastor no 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 he, God lives in you you are you ought to be taught until you become aware until you become matured to the point where you don't need me I mean in the in the sense of it so I'm not saying that you now say oh pastor I'm not coming to church again I am matured no <laughs> but it is a body. Now, this he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. Verse 10. He who descended is also the one who ascended. Far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Now, I want you to go to the King James Version. I want to show you something. Go to the King James Version, verse 11. King James. Now, if you, if you observe this, now, the King James is a very fantastic translation, but the New King James, they have a bit of, uh, maybe let, let me say, a bit of improvement in the translation. That's why I like using the New King James. Now, I'm going to show you, you'll find the difference right now. The scripture says, and he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and teachers. And he gave some but the real rendering of that place of that verse of scripture ephesians 4 11, is that he himself gave so if you go to the new king james version you will find that alteration there go to the, the, the new king james and there's a reason for that there's a reason for that new king james and he himself now this is very important Because it is Himself that can give gifts to the body. And He Himself gave some. Now, if I say I give some people in church this white handkerchief, it means not everybody has the white handkerchief. Am I right? Come on, am I right? So, he says, he gave some to be apostles. So, that means not everybody is an apostle. He gave some to be prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now, some theologian says it is fourfold ministry. The pastors and teachers is one, one gift. Whatever. If it's fourfold, if it's fivefold, we know we have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, this is important this is important not everyone is an evangelist not everyone is a pastor not everyone is a teacher now when i was growing up in ministry uh, sometimes you find people say well i was an evangelist and after 10 years i became an apostle and after another 15 years i became a pastor okay well no evangelist pastor uh how do they go in now uh also, then end up as prophets. And then, when you're the real prophet, you end up as major prophet. Major one. Now, very few people talk about the teaching ministry. Very few people. Because the teaching ministry is not very popular, but it is what grounds the church. So you find that Bible teachers are highly underrated in the ministry gifts. They're highly underrated. What are the two most celebrated gifts? Apostles and prophets. <sighs> now, he himself gave. Even when he was talking about laborers to go into the field, you know what Jesus said? He said, Pray ye the Lord of harvest to send laborers. You see, let me let me let me let me say this to you never accept to be ordained as a pastor by your church or your denomination if the lord has not called you don't accept it don't let the zeal of your pastor cut your life short by stepping into an office that the lord has not ordained you to step into can you teach obviously can you preach obviously there they're different things you can teach you can preach but these gifts has to come from the lord of the church are you following what i'm saying you see we have to be comfortable with people teaching in church and preaching and exalting and working miracles and doing all of this without saying you are a pastor dick um um philip was a deacon Stephen, we're deacons. They turn cities upside down. You see, but the, our challenge is this. If you start, maybe, uh, grandma comes to me and say, well, I prayed for this person yesterday. He got healed. Come the next. I prayed for this person yesterday. Got healed. I say, whoa, the Lord has called you. You know what happens? Immediately, I move him from sitting with his wife and I say, you sit here now. You, you know what's going to happen? We will so institutionalize him, he will no longer be effective. Then when the worship is going on, he's in the office, the man of God. He cuts off from the rest of the body. And before you know, he's no longer even doing the work. These things are functions. They are roles, They are gifts to the body of Christ. But it must come from himself. That's very important. I know I'm emphasizing this. Because I have seen all kinds of people ordained into ministry. And you know what? Tomorrow we say, we don't know what's happening to the church. Ah, the church of Jesus Christ. Why, why, why are we going to know what's happening to the church? when we put everybody out there to lead a church. And I'll say it here. Number one, a pastor can be called and his wife is not called. I'll say it again. A pastor can be called, and his wife is not called into ministry. I mean, when I mean called into ministry, fivefold ministry. Now, remember what we read before. Everybody has grace to minister, right? We're not talking about that now. We're talking about the fivefold ministry. There are cases where a pastor and the wife can be called. So I give you, I give you a very popular example. Number one, you find Kenneth Hagin, powerful man of God. But you find out that Oretta Hagin wrote only one book in her life. The price is not greater than the grace. Go read that book. It will bless your life. Just an account of how the Lord helped them in ministry. She never preached. Sometimes she would join him to lay hands in camp meeting. You never hear of Oreta Hagen anywhere in terms of the context of fivefold ministry. Andrew Wamak, the wife Jamie, Jamie, never really. She sings, but never really. You can find a couple that are called, Kenneth and Gloria Copeland. When you listen to Gloria, you know, ooh, the grace of God is on this woman. You can have a, 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 a case where the wife is called and the man is not called. Joyce Meyer. You see, but our own, you know, when it gets to us, we mess up the things. Once you are called, you drag your wife. Mama, sit down here. then this woman is not called there is no grace to function and at the end of the day she messes up the work there are ministries that would have done far better if the wives were behind the scene okay so i gave you a typical example this morning right you know i was preparing this message because normally my wife is the first person who hears all my messages so i'm preaching i'm preaching where do i start from so i was preaching to her she now said don't go too fast if you're going too fast people won't understand you and okay if you're going too fast I'll be in the service I'll stand up and I'll um, let you know you're going too fast then you can slow down you see that can be more effective than preaching a hundred sermons because maybe because I'm teaching so fast in my mind I'm impressing myself and people are not understanding therefore I'm not functioning I'm not doing my job properly you see but because we love prominence we love attention. Now, I'm qualifying this. I'm not saying that a pastor and the wife cannot be called. I've, I've made it very clear. You can have a case where the man is called, the wife is not called. You can have a case where the man and the wife are called. Priscilla and Aquila in the scriptures. You can have a case where the woman is called and the man is not called. Phoebe in, in the book of Romans, Paul mentioned her. So, what what I'm trying to emphasize, saints of God, is this thing has to come from God. That's my emphasis. You cannot, out of compassion, become a pastor. Can you teach in church? Yes, we have quite a lot of people who teach here in church, and many more we still teach. But that does not mean I'm going to say, well, it's your time. I cannot call whom God has not called. I can only recognize your call, but I cannot call you. Because this thing has to do with grace. That is where people miss it. It takes grace to lead people. It takes grace. You have all kinds of people who come to church. You know, we can't stop you from coming to church. Except, we can't stop you. You know, there are people who come to church for five years, they do something like they've never been to church. And then they come and say, oh, pastor, I'm sorry. What will you say? Go away from me, you workers of iniquity. No, you won't say that. You will have to love them. It takes the grace of God to be hurt by people and still love people. One of the reasons I told myself I'll never become a pastor was I saw the way people treated my dad. Sometimes take our money for food, help people, feed people. Tomorrow you go out in the street and you hear all those people say all kinds of things against him. It was very hurting as a child growing up. And I said, I'll never become a pastor until the Lord put the call on. Most of the people you find that were genuinely called, maybe 85% of them will tell you they never wanted to become a pastor. So what they are doing must be a function of what? Of grace. You cannot buy this Grace. It has to be given to you. It's a gift from God. Okay, so let's go on. Now, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, I want to stop here because I want to lay foundation today and I'll continue during the Bible studies and next uh, Sunday that is teaching the upper Sunday. I want you to see two things here because why did god give this gift this is very important we're going to spend a time on this verse but i want to show you again why it's good to read different translations go to now if you read this for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry does it make sense it makes sense right equipping the saints to do the work of ministry hello come on come on just stay with me what's in close right now for the edifying of the body of christ now that means there are two main functions. He said, till we all come to the unity of the faith. That means there are two main functions, listen, of not just teachers. This is where it is important. The whole of the fivefold ministry are to do these two things. The prophet is not just to call your case number. The prophet is to do what? Equip you for ministry. The evangelist is to do the same. Because what we found out is that we find that this is more left for teachers. And so I we say, well, my own, I'm not into teaching. I'm a prophet. No. No. The prophet is to equip the saints. The evangelist is to equip the saints. The teacher is to equip the saints. The pastor is to equip the saints. Now. If you go to the King James version, there's a problem in the punctuation marks that was corrected here. So let's go to the the King James version now. Look at this. For the perfecting of the saints. <sighs> okay. Now, if you say for the perfecting of the saints, the question is, how much more perfect can a saint be? Right? Hey, come on. If I say somebody is a saint, what does the word saint mean? It's a perfect person. Are, Are you following this? Come on, are you following this? For the perfecting of the saints, then there's comma there. For the work of ministry, there's comma. For the divine of the body of Christ, then there's that colon. Now, if you look at this punctuation, it looks like The main work is for the perfecting of the saints. Then number two is for the work of the ministry. And then for the edifying of the body of Christ. But this doesn't work because the saints are already perfect in Christ Jesus. So what you're doing is not perfecting them. You are equipping them with the knowledge of their perfection so they can do ministry. Do you understand that? So, what I'm to do to you is to keep teaching you who you are in Christ for you to have the tools to go to ministry. Now, what is that ministry? Paul said it in 2 Corinthians that he has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. Who has he committed the ministry of reconciliation to? The new creation in Christ. But we'll go there. We'll, we'll, we'll go there. Let's go back to New King James version and see now the punctuation there. You see the, the correction there is done. Now they used the word per, when they were translating the New King James Version. They took the, the, the instead of the word perfect to perfect the saints. They used which word now? Equip. So the fivefold ministers are equippers. They are to equip the rest of the body. Give them tools to work with. Give them knowledge to work with. So the saints are to do the work of ministry. So the pastor, the evangelist, the prophet, the teachers, the apostles, they are called to teach you to do ministry. So ministry is not just for the fivefold. Everyone is called into ministry, but the fivefold is to equip the rest of the body for the ministry. Do you get what I'm saying? So, my role primarily in your life is to teach you. That's my role. And listen, I want to qualify this now. Not to teach you entrepreneurship. That's not my role. What's my role? To teach you the mystery of what? Christ. Because... We are almost turning the church to a personal development center. Which is, if we're not careful, we'll miss the mark again. Right? It's good. Once in a while, we touch some of those subjects. But every Sunday morning, we can't be teaching you about goal setting. That's not the knowledge of Christ. Every morning, we can't be teaching you about planning. Every morning, we cannot be teaching you how to start a business and grow it. That's not the knowledge of Christ. What I should spend time teaching you is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. What did Jesus accomplish on the cross? Who are you in Christ? What rights and privileges do you have in Christ? Listen, listen, not just to solve your problems. You see, because sometimes in attempting to make scripture solve our problems, we now going to misinterpretation. Like I just showed you with Ephesians 3.20. what scripture is highly misinterpreted. And you know the reason why? Because we want to use it for contract when it wasn't really meant for contract. So every time you uh, now now, can the script, can the Word of God meet our needs? Absolutely. But you see, the more you know who you are in Christ, the more you will just speak to those mountains and they will disappear. Are you following what I'm saying? You will not attempt to use the Bible to solve your problems. The more you know who you are in Christ, the more you will just solve them. And sometimes those problems will never come. I can tell you. Sometimes those problems, <laughs> saints, believe me, if you stay in the word and stay in this life of communion, you'll be amazed at how your life will go on. Let's go on quickly. I just want to wrap this up. No man can call you into ministry. God has to. Now let's go to. Um, there's so many scriptures here. Now where do we go to? Let me just go to Acts chapter thirteen, verse verse two. Acts thirteen, verse two. Because, you know, sometimes I, 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 I'm having conversation with pastors. I remember one time, I was, I was still coming up then, and uh, um, asked, why you turn to Acts 13? This is free story, why are you turning the Bible? Acts 13 verse 2, free story. <laughs> and I went to preach with one man in the market. They say, he called me, one of our, our church members then, in where we used to sell wood at the market. So he says, they preach every Wednesday and uh, Thursday, that I should be coming to preach. So I, I used to go there very young then. I used to go there with one of uh, uh, another pastor from another church. So, okay, he was the vice chairman of the association. So, the chairman brought his pastor. He was the vice. So, I came. My dad was his pastor, but I went to preach. So, the first day I taught them, uh, the second day, the second week I taught. The third week, the other man called me. He said, my brother, he said, the way you are teaching these people, we will be hungry." I, you know, I, couldn't, I didn't understand what he was saying. I said, what do you mean? He said, no, 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 no. If we teach them like this. Ah, these people, they, they are market people, they have money. We have to dip our hands into the pocket. I mean, when the guy was talking, I was, in my heart, I was like, is this real? Like, how can you have that kind of heart? But then I realized that some people are not called. So I said, Sorry, I won't be able to do that. He now said ah. So I know he went to tell the vice chairman that the way I'm teaching the people, that's why attendance people are not coming. You know, because then he used to say, Oh, any pots they bury the place was full. So when I started teaching, the attendance dropped a bit to serious people who wanted to learn. So they told the market, but they now say, Ah, the fellowship will fall if I keep teaching. So I said, No problem. So the next week they told me that the man, uh, the man came. And told them that there was a pot buried in the center of the market. That's why their business wasn't doing good. They needed to contribute money to go to prayer mountain. They contributed 100000 or something way back then. And uh, that business continued with him. But this is a sad reality. I'll just put this here. I'll just put this here. But this is the sad reality. Sometimes the people who stand to teach the truth are less taken care of by the people they teach. That's where the problem is. Because now, somebody says, oh, well, pastors, we're brothers. You know, it's not like I'm above you. And then you move into dishonor. And so, next time you see the pastor, hey, my boy. And meanwhile, if you were in, in the church of one of the false prophets, and you saw him coming from afar, you come down from your car, and kneel. Or if you're in one of these churches and they say, who's going to give us six million? So that your building will be complete. You run to the front. And when you're in the church where they teach you how to tie under grace. Give as you have proposed in your heart. Say, well, I've not proposed this month. I've not proposed. And the whole year you never propose. And sometimes, this is sad. And sometimes it is the wickedness of the saints that sometimes move genuine preachers and teachers because these people are still men to begin to ask questions. So, is this how we eat? So, who will pay carry school fees? When will I also travel? When will I wear really to you? And then the next day, the man comes and says, this week is your week. This week is your we say, Papa, go on. That is what we are talking about. Preach the real thing. No! We should spend more months learning the doctrine of Christ. And you know what is going to happen? We will not be looking for this week is your week. Every single day of the year belongs to you. You will have an authority in Christ. When people talk about this, you'll just be amazed. Because the more you know who you are in Christ, you know that you're not a victim. You're the one who is in charge. Are you following what I'm saying? If you find the pastor who teaches the truth, support him. That is by the side. It's part of the free story what did i say where did i say she turn to that's why it's not good to talk stories when you're preaching eh? okay acts 13 verse 2 stories are not good verse 1 to 2 now in the church that was in, at antioch there were certain prophets so you see that in the church there was not only one prophet There were what certain prophets plural s yes, and teachers so you see that in the church, they were teachers. So prophets and teachers were functioning as a team. So you can have more than one teacher in a local church. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manion, who had been brought up with Herod the, te- the Tetrarch, and Saul. So they had plurality of leadership, which is very important in the New Testament church. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, The Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me, Barnabas and Saul. Look at this. For the work, to which I have done what? I want you to hear that word loud and clear. To which I have what? So the church is fasting. Ministering before the Lord. Just praying, worshiping before the Lord. And the Lord said, hey. Separate these two guys from me, I've called them. What was the response of the church? Next verse, verse 3. Then, having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them away. Now, hey, hey, I love this, I love this. Look at this. Let's go back to verse one. Verse one, quickly. Verse one, guys, come on. The church. There were prophets. There were teachers. They didn't say, "Hey, we saw a problem in your father's tree." No, they were just fasting before the Lord and praying before the Lord. And the Lord says, separate these two guys for me. Verse 2. Go to verse 2. As the minister to the Lord, now separate to me, my name is so for the work to which I, I, I himself, he gave, I have called Then, Verse 3. Watch this. Watch this. Then, having fasted and prayed. So, when the Lord said, I have called these guys, that he rushed toward them. They also prayed and fasted. Some more. Now look at this. And laid hands on them and sent them away. Verse 4. So, being sent out by the Holy Spirit. No, it wasn't the Holy Spirit who sent them out. Who sent them out? The church but the next verse says they weren't sent by the church they were sent by the holy ghost because the church the prophets and the teachers were now representatives of christ to them and you see how in verse 3 and in verse 4 there's no difference between the church sending them out And the Holy Ghost sending them out. The reason was because the sending out was initiated by the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost took ownership of sending them out. So the question you should ask your pastor. Are you actually sent by the Holy Spirit? Or you were sent by your denomination? Can the Holy Ghost say, I sent this one? (laughs) Can I share a testimony with you? funny testimony but very interesting when we started church when we started this church um a minister came to me someone left his church to join us he wasn't very happy about it and uh, he came came to the house he was very angry oh this then so i apologize i said well you can announce in your church that nobody should should come here it's fine uh, and when I started church, I didn't take I think I preached in just one or two churches in town. I didn't take it because I observed that after I preached in churches, when people knew I had a church, they were coming. So I, I didn't take any invitation to preach in town. So he was leaving. It was very angry that they very angry he was leaving. So he, he drove off. And the next minute he drove back. And he said, well, uh, well, I respect him for that. And today was very good friends, but I respect him for that. He came back and said, well, as I was driving back, God said that he sent you here. And he said, I should support the work. And he gave me a check of 55000 And I said, well, to always remind me that God sent me, I'm going to use this to buy chairs. So the, f- all, the first 50 chairs in our first church, that was the money that bought it. That is where you will know when God hasn't sent you. His grace will not go before you. This is very crucial, guys. We cannot sit on the people that are not sent by the Lord. He says, you will not see me again until you said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You must make sure that the people you're listening to are sent by the Lord. Somebody say, how do I know? You find out. Pray and ask the Lord. A genuine minister will never defend his ministry. The one who sent him will stand up for him. There's too much of self defense and self promotion going out there. Now, quickly, because I I want to stay within time. Just give me the scriptures. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Let me see if I can quickly. Because if this message goes longer than this, then I won't be able to send it online. Ephesians 1 1. Just give me Ephesians 1 1. Look at this. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by what? I didn't say that. By what? Say it one more time by what? By the will of God. Give me first Corinthians um, Colossians chapter one verse one. Quickly. Colossians chapter one, verse one. Colossians one, what? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by what? By the will of God. First Corinthians chapter one, verse one. First Corinthians chapter one, verse one. What does he say? Paul. Called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the what? The will of God. So you see, in, in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 1, Colossians chapter 1 verse 1, First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 1, Paul introduces himself and says, I'm an apostle because God willed it. Because God called me. Not an apostle by the will of church. Not an apostle by the will of the bishop's council. And I'm going to, When I teach this now, we're going to go into Bible. The first person to ordain a bishop was a pastor. Timothy was a pastor. He was called to ordain bishops. But then we reversed it. That a bishop is higher than a pastor. A bit of understanding of Bible languages will clear us. The word bishop means an overseer. But you know, when we have bishops, then you wear the castle, then you wear this, and it looks like an elevated title. And and some of these things will taint our religious understanding, but please bear with me. I have to just teach what I see in the scriptures. Timothy was called to ordain bishops in every city. Because to them, when they called someone a bishop, it just meant an overseer. Nothing more. It was not a promotion. There was no consecration into the office of the bishopric. That only came when the Roman Catholic Church separated the Church, when Constantine, if you read a bit of church history, the disparity between the clergy and the laity came through the Roman Catholic Church. And when Pentecostalism, Roman Catholic, and then you have Lutheran, uh, Martin Luther, the Reformer, from the Lutheran to the Westland movement, Methodist, Methodist Church, What happened is because Martin Luther came out of the Catholic Church and he started the Lutheran movement and then, uh, the Wesley Brothers, the Methodist Church, there were traces of Roman Catholicism in, in the, in the, in the Orthodox, which when Pentecostal people came out, it looked as if they were not respected because they didn't have these titles. And so they began to go for these titles because when Pentecostalism started, everybody was comfortable being called brother and sister and all that. But it looked like when they went for meeting, they weren't respecting them. And one person who was at the forefront of this in our nation was Archbishop Benson Idahosa. He did a very massive work, but then he began to, you know, put up the colleges of bishops and all that, and then the thing got proliferated, and it looks like. You know, sometimes they say you want to become a bishop, you must have 200 members, you must have this, and then they began to have qualifications of somebody who wants to become a bishop. And I was writing a reference for someone the other day, because I was writing an official reference, and so uh, I put the word reverend in front of my name. And he said, ah, sir, why will you use reverend? What's wrong with it? He said, uh, you have not been ordained a reverend. I said, no, I don't need to. I don't need to. If I want to put a bishop in front of my name, I will. It's not a problem. I'm already a bishop because I oversee you. You are the fruits of my bishopric. It's not, it's not a big deal about that. If I want to wear a cross, I'll buy a cross and I'll wear. Somebody say, well, it has to be consecrated. I will consecrate it. If I can get someone born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, that's more of consecration than laying hands on a cross. Because what's happening, what's happening is we're going back into what we left. The simplicity of the Christian faith is being tampered with. We mustn't move in that direction. We're going back. And people are beginning to turn away from the faith gradually because we haven't represented the scriptures very well. This study is going to be interesting. Scales are going to fall from our eyes. The word of God is going to come back plain to us. God is in these days and in this time restoring the teaching ministry to the body of christ and i tell you africa especially in the next couple of years if you're not an accurate bible teacher people are going to leave your church in their numbers you know the funny thing people run to our churches when they need help when they need breakthrough but by the time the breakthrough is come the money is come people want to learn the truth people are hungry for the word are you following what i'm saying People want to learn. At the end of the day, these things will not satisfy us. The only thing that will satisfy us is the knowledge of Christ. Are you still here? All right. So on Wednesday, I'll continue from here. Let's pray.